Thanks for tapping into this week's Untapped Keg podcast about sobriety and mental health, where we look at different perspectives in a sobriety and mental health. So you can take something and implement it in your own life. This week, we have a very special episode because it was actually from me guesting on Myers podcast, who was on Untapped Keg about a month ago or so. Uh, we can link that episode in here. And I was on his podcast, Here for the Dads, where we talked about being a dad, being um, not drinking, how we can look at different perspectives into parenthood. But it's a lot of information that you can actually take and use for yourself. And I think that it's going to be really great to use and maybe take some ideas to not even just use if you're a parent, but to use with yourself and how you talk to yourself. So here is the podcast this week from Here for the Dads with Meyer Craw. What's going down, people? It's your boy, Meyer Craw, back again with Here for the Dads podcast, episode eight. And I'm sure you're wondering uh, who this little guy is. This is Sonic. This is my son's, my oldest son's best friend. He was a little upset with me that uh, Sonic's never been on a podcast before. So, Sonic, here you are, your first podcast. He's going to hang out with me here. But uh, we got another guest, one of my new closest friends. We have done a lot together within the fa- in the past few days. We're getting the chance to know each other a lot, and our kids are becoming best friends. So, meet my boy, RJ. What's going on, baby? Hey, Meyer. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, man. We've We've done a podcast before. On your channel, it was untapped, and, man, we had a great time. Like, yeah. this, man, that moment, I, I was crying by the end of it. Like, if you haven't seen that one, please go back and see Untapped with RJ. It was amazing. Yeah, and it's Untapped Keg. So it's untapped like a beer keg. keg. Untapped it's Keg. Untapped. Cause, so it's a sobriety and mental health podcast. Okay. So um, I haven't drank. I'm sober. Alcohol-free. Whatever vernacular that people want to use. I don't care personally because I've used them all, but um, I haven't drank in nine and a half years. December will be 10 years. Um, Recently had a friend. Actually, you know him, Mike, too. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, what are you doing for your 10-year soberversary? I'm like, I honestly kind of forgot that it was 10 years. years. Like, I don't celebrate myself. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, oh, it's just another day. But he's like, yeah, we should you should do something because that's a big deal. I'm like, you're right. It is a big deal. I need to figure something out. So at least he let me know a few months in advance. So what ideas do you have right now? If anything, like how do you want it to be big? I mean, you're going to naturally say you don't want it to be big at all. If you don't like to celebrate. Yeah. But probably just going out to eat with friends and allowing myself to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. That would be a big step for me. So yeah, that would be a big step. So probably, Go to one of my favorite restaurants or something like that and hang out. Make sure there's good non-alcoholic drinks. So mocktails or yeah. NA beer. There's so many amazing choices out there now mm-hmm. that people just don't know about. So you can get the depth of flavor that you get with an alcoholic drink. That's not just juice. Yeah. And that is a big deal. So There's so much there, too. Like yeah. That's really – my wife just likes the taste she could care less for the alcohol. She's not looking for a buzz. She's not looking for anything like that. So just hearing you say that is, like, yeah. extremely comforting. Like, she just went and got the, 
what was it, Simply Lemonade just came out with some mixers that's non-alcoholic. So, like, they got the peach sour and, like, all this different stuff. No alcohol in it. Tastes great. Yeah. yeah I think there should be a lot more of that. They're starting to open some Absolutely. bars like that, too. Yeah, there's a, there's also, like, spiritless um, okay. liquors. So there's non-alcoholic whiskey, non-alcoholic gin, tequila, and rum. Mm. And the whiskey and the gin are both really, really good. The rum... Eh, need some work. Out. I need to, I need to try some different brands to see if there's a better one. And then, um, as far as the tequila goes, I wasn't a tequila person anyway. So uh, me neither. It's okay, but uh, yeah, like the the whiskey and the gin are so delicious. Mm. It's amazing what a good bartender can do with that. That's amazing to hear. Now it's gonna probably be a little hard because Sony is our Haitian rum connoisseur. So when you, you <laughs> might need to go talk to him a little That's bit, dog. Down with the rum. I remember you bought me some the other day, and I was like, "Man, this is probably some of the best stuff I've ever had." Listen, I'm an island boy. <laughs> <laughs> island it, it boy. Was, it, was, it was good though. It no, was it was good. it was definitely good. Yeah. It's like you didn't have to have too much just to get a good flavor too. So, and, and I like that. Um, like I just drink it for the flavor, but it's like. Maybe it's the old head in me, but I'm not trying to get like. Yeah, no, I'm way past that. I had to shake myself after the out of that as soon as I had kids. Like, yeah, I even when my wife was pregnant, I was like, I can't go too crazy because at any point in time she might need me. Like, yeah. there's yep. just too much going on. I'm not the carefree, just wild person. Let somebody take me home and like all that stuff anymore. So like. Naturally, like if maybe I might have something right before I go to bed, like a glass of wine and just put me to sleep or whatever. But honestly, like I've gotten to the point now where I'll be just fine without it. Like yeah. I, I love the taste and I can do some good stuff. So every once in a while I'll have one. But I probably only had, I had one beer last night and it's my first beer since like May or maybe even April. I don't know. It's been a, been a little while. We'll do bourbon here or there or whatever. So yeah. it's good. But I, I want to go back to you talking about like celebrating yourself. I had a little realization a little bit the other day. I was just kind of reflecting on like being a father and the household and all the different things. And I enjoy when I'm being like validated. Sometimes it helps me get a little bit more of motivation, more motivation than what I'm doing once I'm like validated. But I don't naturally seek for validation and I won't ask for it. And I don't like to be celebrated. I don't like to take pictures. Is that where you kind of are? And how do we switch out of that as others like uh that's one of those a little bit it so the podcast and then me making my content has allowed me to be better and more okay with taking pictures of myself right mm. and putting myself out there but i still don't like to be the center of things yeah. even though i end up being that even yeah. though i end up in spaces where and people just seem to resonate with my story that I end up at the center and that's still something that I'm kind of working through. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with us being told not to be arrogant. Don't be cocky. Don't be, um, don't be attention seeking, right? Don't yeah. be a glory hound, uh, fall in line. You really are. It's about your, uh, what you provide. And if you provide enough, then people will follow you, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not true, and that's not the case. Yeah. That's that's really a recipe to go through life 
not knowing who you are, not understanding your emotions, and then not asking for your needs, right? Yes. So validation is not in and of itself something to be ashamed of or honestly to not seek because even no matter how much I fall into understanding my worth and I don't have to have the validation from the outside in order to understand that what I'm doing is the right thing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it doesn't feel good and it doesn't help me to continue on my path. And that goes for any, any men, any people out there that when they get that validation, that just lets you know, you're doing right by a person you care about. You're doing right by yourself and what you're doing. And people see that. And when you're seen, it allows you to continue to on the path that you're on. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to understand that you are valued and it reaffirms that. Whereas if you're always trying to let yourself know that you're valued, yeah, you're kind of stuck in this feeling of, um, I know I know my worth, and I know that it's worth more than this. Yeah. But that doesn't make it easy to continue to move through that. So, in order to get through hard moments, that validation is absolutely necessary yes, and key. Absolutely. And sometimes it starts with giving the validation to somebody else, and then they'll give it back to us. Mm-hmm. But what do we do when we get that validation? Yes. Because right? that sometimes we sometimes are like. Kind of brush it off. You get like I don't know, bashful if you want to call it that. Absolutely. Or, or it's been really hard to even like accept compliments yes. sometimes. Like naturally, you just want to give it back to somebody in just like this normal, generous way or whatever. Almost like it's a trade off. But yep. sometimes you just got to be good at just taking compliments and being okay with it. And just yeah. Saying thank you. Absolutely. And moving on. And compliments don't necessarily come naturally to. They don't come naturally to me. And they to don't give them or to. No, to take them both. Mm. Right? I don't always give compliments, especially like if I see a shirt that someone's wearing that looks nice or like Sony shorts. I love your shorts. I didn't, I didn't say anything because it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I got you. So that means that the compliments that I get, depending on what they're about, I may not accept. And I'll, I'll, mm. I, what I used to do every single compliment because I didn't believe it in, internally at all. I didn't think there was anything worth, inside of like at all about me to compliment i would say oh you know i appreciate you being so nice but you know you don't have to uh you don't have to say anything as if it was hard for them to do it like they had to try to do it it was just you just put this wall up are you better at it now or do you i guess maybe you recognize that you're doing that more now right i'm i am better at accepting it now i'm better at giving compliments in most situations but um the biggest thing that I am, like you said, is I'm aware that that is something for me to work on and I'm still working on it. And what I used to do, so at my wedding, my brother was my best man and my dad, they both gave speeches. I used to just disconnect to the point where I don't remember anything past the first sentence of both their speeches. I've done that before. And so uh, you look at the pictures and I'm just staring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all I remember is, you know, my wife reaching over and like bringing me back into, mm. into the present, but I don't remember their speeches at all. And that's not a, on them. That yeah. was just because I couldn't accept being the center. I couldn't accept being the, uh, what somebody was talking about, especially in a positive 
fashion. How do we teach our kids to be okay with getting compliments and feeling validated without pushing that away? Is this a is that an insecurity thing that ha- that will they might learn that pushes them away from yeah. it? Is a we not teaching them their value thing? Like what what is it? How do we teach them that it is okay and to ask for it? I know that's a lot. That's, I'll put a yeah. lot of questions on you, but so to ask for it, I think is just validating them when they do ask for it. Mm-hmm. Like my youngest will ask, "Daddy, look at my picture. Isn't it great?" And it's uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really amazing. So they ask for it then. Yeah, and what I notice for myself, especially when I was younger, when um, I would get a compliment, my parents and society at large would follow a compliment with a teasing, right? Mm. Um, Specifically, I remember one time, uh, senior year in high school, my friend's parents stopped me at an eighth grade basketball game. It was my brother's game that I was there. And they said, hey, RJ, we just want to let you know that we go to every single high school varsity basketball game to watch you play Mm. because you play with such passion and some of what you do is so unexpected because you're just giving it your all out there. And we wanted to let you know that we really appreciate what you're doing. And nobody had ever stopped me and just given me a genuine compliment like that, that I can remember. And I felt so good. And then as I'm taking steps up to my parents, they heard that they are, they were so worried about me getting a big head and being Mm. cocky and arrogant that they then, teased me to the point where I was like, oh, I can't accept that because that would make me cocky or arrogant. Mm. And it was, oh, look at him with the big head now. He can barely walk up the stairs because his head is making him fall over. Like, uh, And you and, remember both of those stories, though, you know? Yeah, both of those things. And that made me, oh, I'm not actually worthy of this. I, they were just being nice. They were just being kind and remembering a lot of the compliments I got as a kid, I, I wasn't allowed to just sit with the compliment. Like I said, it was followed with a tease. It was followed with almost like a take back. Right? Yeah. And so I think with our kids, it's give them the space to understand that they really are good at what they're doing. Yeah. They really do provide value. And when my youngest asked me, or even my oldest, to look at something, and they ask me if it's good, that's kind of a a flag or yeah. a sign that I need to be giving him more compliments straight out mm-hmm. because he's questioning something. And so understanding, like, my own emotions and, like, I'm really just now going through this. Like, at 33, if you'd ask me about my emotions, it was angry, um, really pissed off, right? Yeah. And then probably just, like, I don't know, laughing, yeah. humor. That's I was about it. to say, even happy is like, we. I feel like we skip over that. Oh, yeah. You ever ask me, are you happy? So much stuff like goes through your head at that like point in time, it's kind of like you can't even answer that yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. Either I'm laughing, like super excited about something, or I'm upset. I'm yep. Happy. And so as I'm going through this and I'm recognizing where in my childhood that there were some deviations, mm-hmm. you know, some forks in the road, I'm trying to understand that my kids are five and four. Yeah. And they have no idea. So if I want them to fi- find out for themselves, yeah. 
I have to continue to guide them to find out for themselves. Mm -hmm. So mistakes are okay. Compliments are given. Even just trying. Yeah. I want you to try. So Absolutely. I'm going to reward you with validation that you're trying. Mm -hmm. And that goes a long way with them understanding that um, th what their worth is, that their emotions. My five-year-old with his emotions is at such an advanced level that it's unbelievable. That I'm 36, and he understands his body and his emotions way more than I do because mm. I had disconnected for so long that I had no idea. And sometimes you don't know that you're disconnected either. Oh, absolutely. Especially until you get kids, you don't know you're disconnected. Yes. So like there was something you taught me the other day and I, I, I truly appreciate it. It's, it's really recognizing that you have to study these things. Like you have to figure out a little bit of like, why are you the way that you are? Why can't I understand these emotions? Um, what are the um, these emotions that I'm feeling? Like, how am I going to also then teach them? And one of the things that happened where I think we were at Sonic, and I think, I don't know, maybe Avery got hurt and hit himself on the head or something. He pretty much does that every single day. But the conversation we had after was the first thing that you ask them when they're just hysterically crying is, are you afraid or are you hurt? Yeah. And that blew me away because a lot of the times they will just be, literally screaming because they can't navigate what that feeling is and they will mix those two up. Absolutely. And I love that you gave me that. Like I'm going to use that all the time now. Yep. And I mean, if I think about myself and times where I've fallen or um, let's say I'm playing outfield in softball and there's, a, I collide with the fence or somebody else. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time differentiating. Am I actually hurt? Or am I just scared about what just happened? Mm. And so the thing about anger and like pain and hurt is that it overlaps so much with a lot of other emotions. And when we're hurt, a lot of times we get angry. Yeah. Um, and then when we're scared, we get angry. So the, it's the same thing with the pain and being scared. Are you scared or are you hurt? And when I asked my kids this, I noticed with my oldest, he was falling down a lot, and I'd ask him where he was hurt, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to give me an answer because he wasn't actually he, hurt. Yeah, he wasn't even hurt. And so I just asked him one time, are you scared? And he said, yeah, I'm scared. That was really scary. And I'm like, uh -huh. okay, that's awesome that you know that. Yeah. And so with my youngest, he fell. I don't know. He's climbing something. And I give my kids a lot of latitude. If they're climbing, yeah. then Go ahead, and if you fall, okay, then we learned a lesson, yeah. right? You felt it, yeah. Now you can equate, and this now height. you know how mm -hmm. to um, hold on yeah. and honestly get yourself up, and then get yourself back down. Yeah. And I, I asked him when he fell, I'm like, "Are, are you scared or are you hurt?" And he just, he kind of stopped crying for a second and thought about it, and he's like, "Scared," and then he started crying again. And I'm like, "Okay, come here, I'll hold you." Yeah. And I'm glad that you know you're scared. It's okay. It is scary when we fall. It is scary Man. when we don't know. And then that has helped me to, okay, if you're hurt, we can take a second and yeah. figure out what's going on and see how bad it is. But honestly, nine times out of ten, it's them being scared and them reacting to it and not knowing. When I think about how powerful like that is, because there's a lot of adults that need to understand and to learn that too. And I mean, even for myself, like Same. 
So thinking about that, because that translates to the way that you respond in relationships. Yes. Like to your wife at work. I could think about a moment with my wife just driving and a car coming up and almost hitting her. And then all of a sudden I just jumped to being upset and I just go, you know, why are you doing? Like, why do you do that? Man, you should have known you should have kept this amount of space in between this car and that car. And it's not really that I'm upset. It's that I was scared, Yeah. <laughs> you know? And if I would internalize that first and think, okay, I was just scared and either be able to communicate that when I'm speaking to her, it changes everything. It could change your tone. It can change the way that you two are communicating. It could do a lot. But because sometimes we operate in that fear and that's what comes out into these hundred different emotions, yeah. the person sitting across from you, they can't diagnose that. They can't dissect that. When our child is screaming in our face and we don't know if it's fear or if they're actually hurt, it's almost impossible. Like, we now know the languages, or at least we try to know the language. If you listen for the cry, like, okay, which cry is this? Yeah. Is he actually upset? Did he actually hurt himself? Um, is it a fake cry? Are these alligator tears, you know? And we try to dissect that, but all in all, we really don't know until they're able to start telling us that, and we understand that in ourselves. So it seems like our kids have always taught us a lot, and they're continuing to teach us. What, are the, what is something that you're probably most surprised that they've taught you? Or that you're most proud of that they taught you? Wow. Um, it's how compassionate and empathetic I am towards other people and how that's translated into them being compassionate and empathetic with other people. Um, going out of our way to, um, and I'm saying our because this is something all three of us will do, if somebody is on the outside or somebody is nervous, we will try our best to bring them in. Mm. Try our best to create a space to let them know that they're not alone and they're accepted. Wow. And that helped me to realize, like, our children are our greatest mirrors. And a lot of times we focus on the negative things with that. But we forget that they're also our greatest mm -hmm. mirrors when it comes to the positive things. Mm. And so if you see your kids doing something that you're proud of, they're doing something that they saw you do. Mm. They're doing something that you taught them. And when you take a second and you realize that that's me and that's something that they saw that I never taught them, or it might just be a trait that um, was passed on to yeah, them from yeah. me, right? That they've never seen me actually do that and they just do it instinctually. That's something to be proud of and give yourself give yourself props. Like yeah. we were talking about earlier, allow you to celebrate yourself through your kids. It doesn't always have to be their our mirror and they give us something that we have to work on or um, our negative our negative traits. Yeah. Also the positive. And so when we're proud of our kids, it's okay to take some time to be proud of yourself too because they are acting um and behaving in ways that they learned from us, whether we taught them that on purpose or they just picked it up from watching us. Yeah, they, I mean, they can pick up oh. anything. Like, yeah. when they say sponges, you hear so much before having kids. Kids are sponges. They grow up so fast. Right. Um, like, you hear all this stuff. It doesn't click until it happens. Mm -hmm. We were just talking before this about how emotional it is to even give away your kids' clothes. The other day we were 
starting to get prepared for back to school because mm-hmm. we'll be going to school in the next like, week or two. I'm going through all the clothes, and I start pulling out all the things that are too small for Azai. And I pull out this white collar shirt, and my wife's, oh, we got to put that in the box. It's too big for Avery but too small for Azai. I was like, no, babe, I think Avery can wear this. She was like, no, he can't. Avery, come on in here, put the shirt on him, and we just look at him. And, bro, like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. These babies are growing. And so it's, fast. if you do not stop and take the time, the time will be gone. Like, just as I was just wearing that shirt, like, last year or the year before that. And I'm looking at him, and he has no clue. They got the smile on. They're ready to go rip and run, do something else. And he's like, man, like, I need to get myself straight. I need to make sure I'm enjoying these moments because there's going to be a point in time when I'll be done having kids, and that'll be it. They'll be, they're going to go and they're going to have their own kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you shared your own moments too about like, um, well, I'll let you share. I'll let you share. Like, Yeah, I mean, really it's one time when they ask me to pick them up is going to be the last time that they ask me to pick them up. Mm-hmm. One time that they ask to sit on my lap is going to be the last time they ask to sit on my lap. And so just understanding that is giving me the ability to stay present with them. And if I am sore or if I am um, not in a place where I can pick them up, I make sure I tell them, I want to pick you up, but I just can't right now. Can you wait a few minutes? Or I'll pick you up for a little bit, but daddy's back really hurts. And then it's usually met by daddy, you need to go back to working out. So they yeah. can pick me up. <laughs> yeah. They will <laughs> tell you in a quick second. Yeah. It's funny y'all bringing this up this morning. I try to help Valerie get dressed. And she's like, no, Daddy, I got it. Mm, see? Daddy, why you look sad? I'm not sad. But really, I was. Because mm-hmm. just the other day, I helped her put her shoes on, all that stuff. Then she's like, Daddy, I got it. So everything you're saying yeah. is 150% accurate. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I knock both my twins down whenever they try to walk. <laughs> as soon as they try to take like take that one little step, I'm just like, get on the ground. <laughs> Stop <laughs> doing yet, that. Yeah, 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 man. You got man, you got you got plenty of time ahead of you. Um I think all three of us are extremely passionate about being fathers. And that's something that I enjoy doing, something I enjoy talking about. And it's actually quite hard for me to be able to understand the men that are in the position but don't take either the position um, seriously or don't want to mm. be, right? Like they are fathers and they just choose not to be. And I try to understand from a perspective, like maybe they just don't feel ready. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe they're trying to stand still in whatever time they're in, but have you ever found yourself in a position trying to understand maybe some of those younger guys who just like, I just no, I'm not, I'm not ready. You you have it. You want to them on? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. That's not keeping sorry. it a butt. Not sorry. Not sorry at all. I want to hear what you guys' feelings is. Just because I remember just sitting down two days ago watching a video, and it could be a touchy subject, but like sitting down watching a video and hearing a guy talk about that, and I was like, bro, like you literally have a child out here who is. Who didn't ask to be here? Do you who, remember more of what he was saying? Um, it just sounded. I just remember. I probably went into the red to be honest a little bit. It just sounded very selfish to me. Okay. I think there were parts of it that I understood because, of course, they them two they laid down together, 
it should be all the communication that they have and that maybe it should have been talked about before. But just being honest, when we're young, we get out there, you get in the heat, you do it, and then whatever happens after that, it's like tossed up as a consequence, right? Yeah. The young lady wanted to keep the child, and another young lady wanted to keep the child. So now I think he had three kids by three different women and all opted out of being in their lives because he told them, he said, that he didn't want to have kids in the first place. So I don't know, just want to hear your thoughts I mean, on that. They have two a things. surgery for that if you don't want to have kids in the right, first place. That right, that part. There's two things I think we could talk about. The first part of, like, our thought process on men that just don't want nothing to do with their kids. Mm-hmm. And then the second part, because I do know a few people like this, that they just keep popping out kids with different women. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm. yeah, that that's a whole nother topic, too. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, Roger. What do you think? Cause you said that, that, that there's a surgery for that. Yeah. And there could be a lot of different reasons for it. Sometimes you think that you actually do want to have kids, and really that's just society and learned beliefs being pushed on you, and then all of a sudden it happens, and now you're in it, and you're like, wait, this isn't actually what I wanted. This isn't actually in a alignment with where I'm at. There's also the fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fear that comes from self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And I know this really well. It was because of my kids that I learned that I hated myself. And that when I understood that I hated myself, I could see that a lot of my actions and a lot of my relationships, a lot of my, honestly, the decisions that have led me to where I was in my life was from a place of me hating myself. I don't feel good enough. I'm going to hurt these kids, Mm. not on purpose, but because I'm me. For me, it was they're going to have to um, deal with consequences that comes from being my son or Mm. my daughter or just my child, me being their father. And I thought that that was them getting sick and suffering. And, like, I honestly had that belief that, they were going to get sick and suffer because they are my child. And mm-hmm. that is not a place where you can be a great father. You can be a great um, partner or anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so when we say they're our greatest mirrors, we also get that fear of, hey, you don't know what you're doing. Nobody does. Right. But we think that because people look like they have it together – that they actually know what they're doing. And so that puts us in a place where if I am present and I try my best, it's not only not going to be good enough, but I'm actually making this child's life worse than if I'm just not there. And that is a real mindset that a lot of people and a lot of men have. Mm -hmm. So, if you're better off without me, I'm just going to go and try to do something else, right, and forget about it. Yeah. And what's one way that we escape? Having sex. So if we have this innate, like, this self-hatred, you might put another consequence on yourself because you deserve to have this weight on you. Yep. And that is a cycle that is something that can continue. 
can I understand just completely, you know, leaving your kid's life and not, not wanting to be there? Can I understand where it comes from? Sure. But can I understand actually doing it? No, because a part of accepting responsibility, right, is showing up. Yeah. Even when you think that you're not built for it, even when you think you don't have the tools or the understandings for it, you can learn. Yeah. But that's so scary. We're just talking about fear. It is. Right? Fear, hurt. Um, and fear is something that chases people away from so many situations that are great for them, but they can't be there because the pain and the fear is so great that they can't do anything else. And they just, you know, it's that fight or flight response. And for a lot of people it's flight. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard, especially when it comes to emotions, especially when it comes to your mind and mental, um, you know, challenges and struggles that are there, it's hard to fight. It's so much easier to run. It's so much easier. And it's so much easier to freeze, right? Mm -hmm. To not do anything and just hope that it goes away. Yeah. And eventually people will stop coming. People will stop giving you praise and help and um, support. And so you, it's, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy of you keep, running and you keep not fighting for these things and they just keep adding up and adding up and adding up. And so I understand that fear and I understand that that is part of hurt people, hurt people and that hurt and that pain and the generational, um, so much of the generational pain and trauma and, everything else that gets passed on. But like you said, these kids didn't ask to be here. No. And so do what you can to make sure that you're not putting pain and hurt Mm -hmm. and anguish on somebody else who didn't ask for anything and are just here. And are just here. So I I, want to... add something and maybe you guys could give me an answer for this because one thing i don't want people listening to this is um we're just talking about fathers that's running away right Mm -hmm. because this podcast is truly a prescription for some people Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna throw out some reasons why uh quote unquote dad is run away from his responsibilities. Mm-hmm. How can we as a here for the dad's community allow them to know that they have resources and backing to help them? All right. Mm-hmm. So my first one, um his reason is because of financial reasons. How do which one of y'all want to combat combat that? I'll take a little part of that. So I think naturally we talk about trying to prepare for kids all the time. Like, how do I prepare financially? How do I prepare my mind? And it's kind of a sucker answer, but we give it a lot. Is like you'll never fully be prepared. That's mostly the reason why we give that is because you don't know how strong you are until you put yourself in the position. 
Like you don't know how motivated you'll be to do something for someone you love until you put yourself in that position. And a lot of times what comes in handy is the resources. There's so many different resources out there that you didn't have to search for before because you weren't in the position. So when you are in a place where you're like, my child needs diapers, like they, like I got to get diapers. Now you're in a position where you are motivated to go find the answer. Is it going to be like um, some giveaways? Is it going to be me reaching out to a friend who possibly might be giving them away? I don't need them anymore. Is it going to be me getting an extra job, like doing Uber or something like that? Is it going to be um, some program or some aid that I can look up on the Internet could possibly help me out? Financially, there's so many different ways for for needs. There's so many, I believe, different ways that you could just get some type of um, advice on how to make your money grow investment-wise or saving. Because a lot of times, just being honest, we don't even spend our money right before we have kids. Like we don't budget right, we don't save right. We're not putting it. We're not living um, at our means instead of above our means. So having a child or thinking about having a child, I don't think is a good. I don't think you should just say like, "Oh, I'm not financially prepared. I'm not financially ready." Now, I'm not saying go be dumb. Just do whatever. I'm not saying don't try to prepare financially for them. But I can say there's plenty of people who didn't necessarily go into that and just say, like, oh, I'm not financially prepared. I can't, I can't take care of the child. Take care of the child by yourself. Well, guess what? If you tell them to take, take care of the child by themselves, they're at an even greater odds of being able to be financially prepared. And that's just what makes sense for me. What do you think about that? Yeah. And I agree with everything you just said. And a lot of it, too, is – we don't know where the good jobs necessarily are. So, you know, as a blue collar worker, um, union member and the trades, there are every single trade is hiring because there is a lack. Mm -hmm. So if you go to trade school after a year, you're walking into a six figure income easily. And I was a high voltage line technician and there's such a shortage when it comes to people who will go out and work on high voltage utility lines. Like, you know, on the towers, on top of poles, power goes out, you go out and restore it. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. But also interior electricians, yeah. plumbers, mm-hmm. all of this. So if you want to go to school for a year or you can get hired and they will teach you as and well. And pay for it, yeah. And they pay for it, yes. And that sets you up in a way that you didn't even know was possible. Um, that's a great tool as well. It doesn't have to be four-year degree, and that's the only way that you can make money. Yeah, That's the way society has set it up. That's the way that we think that we have to go, and that puts us at a disadvantage too. And so yeah. the financial piece is true. That And we don't, you don't know how much a kid costs. Yeah. Even if you think you know, you don't know until they're here. But that's part of accepting the responsibility and taking accountability and showing up yeah. and just continuing to show up and try. And it feels in the moment, it feels insurmountable. It feels mm-hmm. so daunting. But when you realize that you can't eat an elephant in one bite, yeah. you just, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Yeah. And you start to go step, step, step. It does fall into place quicker than what you realized. What's another reason you got? So, and then after this, we could go to the next topic. Um, you said we can go to the next topic. Okay. No, yeah. no, after this one. Okay, yeah, um, I got you. Because I, I do have a, 
I do have a topic that I want to talk to you about. So uh, another thing we may hear is I didn't see that partner, someone that I want to keep in my life. Because now they're like, there's a child, so that's attaching them mm. to a partner. That, that's the first thing that comes to their mind. Yeah. How, what would you combat that thought process with? I'll, start, I'll let you start that one if you want. So you mean they don't want that person in their life, so they're not going to be in the child's life as well? Correct. That sounds like a scared child to me, right? Like that's how that person is responding. I don't want to accept responsibility for my actions. You can still be a part of a child's life mm -hmm. and co-parent and show up and accept responsibility and the accountability and be there. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to react and look for any excuse possible to justify running away, you're going to do that your entire life. And one day you're going to look back with such regret and shame that it's going to stop you from enjoying your life period because you abandoned someone, someone who you could have had an impact in their life, whether it's just watching you, you know, overcome challenges, yeah. whether it's just watching you, um, you know, just go through life. And that's, that's something that I've learned as a father is I don't have to hide my challenges from my two kids. I actually talk to them about my challenges and then they know that I'm just human. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a superhuman. I'm mm -hmm. not Superman. I'm just, I'm dad. And they have, they put me on a pedestal just because I'm dad, but I want to try to remove that pedestal as much as possible. Yeah. And so if you are looking for that excuse and you're like, I don't want this person in my life. So I'm going to run from both. And, you know, you're really setting yourself up to have such deep regrets and such deep shame later in life. Yes. That you cannot, you will not be able to look back at your life and say that there were no regrets. There were, I did everything that I could mm -hmm. and I'm proud of that. And I tried. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. something that I think about too is if, if I find out that I have a terminal illness tomorrow, can I look back at my life and say that I tried my best, that mm -hmm. I showed up, and it's not that I don't have any regrets. It's that my regrets are minimal, and there's that I still showed up even after I made mistakes, mm -hmm. and I did the best that I could. And if I can say yes, and I continue going where I'm going, if I'm looking at where I'm going and I'm like, uh, I would really, you know, I would really regret if I didn't turn and follow this path. That is what kind of uh, makes me change where I'm going and what I'm doing. So. Oh, yeah. I did. Listening to Tim Ross, he kind of introduced a concept of like honor and honesty. And I don't. It, he kind of did it unconsciously. Like, he did it consciously with what he was talking about. The way that I put it together was probably a little bit more unconscious. I don't think he was necessarily trying to teach it like that. But I was trying to remember that both of these things can be true at the same time. And it can help you in the yeah. relationship. So, like, yes. you can still honor your child by being present and doing things for them and trying. 
while still being honest about not wanting to be in the relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just run away. You can't just be like, I need to honor myself and not try to be around this person and I'm not going to be with the kid and like all that. Because that's not, you can still be honest about it and honor at the same time. So I just wanted to mention that part. And I've been trying to mix those two together whenever I'm speaking about like relationship dynamics and just communicating with people about the things that I want. But I'm going to pivot a little bit. I'm not sur- sure how I want to get into the conversation, but we started talking about it right before and it had a, uh, it was kind of about like race and raising kids and stuff like. Would you would you mind just kind of like teeing yeah. that up a little bit because I think this is very important to talk about and I think that there's going to be a lot of people that's going to help. Yeah. So, um, I'm a 36 year old white man who grew up in small town Wisconsin. Uh, there were five six families probably that were people of color. Um, and so there's a lot of ignorance when it came to me growing up and going through life. And I met um, my boy's mom when I moved to Madison. And we worked together at the airport and got into a relationship. And I always had the mindset of, like, if I was, I'm attracted to somebody, like, if you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care about, like, show. you're good if looking. Yeah, right? hot, you're hot. Right? <laughs> so that led me to an interracial relationship and I allow people to show me who they are. I'm not just going to judge you, um, you know, within reason Mm -hmm. of how you look. But I'm going to, even if I judge you, I'm going to allow you to show me who you are. Mm -hmm. And so the worst fight that we ever had, she asked me if I saw her as a black woman. And my answer was, no, I see you as my girlfriend, my fiance, I think at that time. And somebody that, I want to spend the rest of my life with. She's like, well, if you don't see me as a black woman, you don't see me. And I was like, Mm. I don't understand. Mm. And that made me realize that I don't have context for conversations like that. Like I'm Mm. literally a toddler and I didn't have those words for it until um, later on. But I saw somebody else talk about being in an interracial relationship. It was another white man who was married to a black woman and he had the same conversation with his wife and the way he said it, it hit home for me. And it was, if you don't see me as a black person, you don't see my struggle. Mm -hmm. So if you're not seeing race, right? If, if you don't see color, Mm -hmm. like let's say that. Yeah. Cause lovely. That's what they use. Like I don't see color. Right. And it, but then you don't see, somebody's struggle. You don't Mm -hmm. see who they actually are and what they've overcome. And that opened my eyes to so much more. It was like it took the blinders off, right? I'm not just seeing you anymore. I'm seeing more context. I'm seeing more of the environment around and everything else. And that leads me to having two half black boys, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't matter if they're half black or not. Like, the greater society sees them as black males. And I understood to a point what they might face. And I realized where I would not have context to be able to walk them through some of the struggles that they were going to face because I never, I never faced them. Right. And I let my uh, boy's mom know, like, I'm going to lean on you hard in these situations and then the George Floyd and 
Christian Cooper mm-hmm. um, incidents happened and incidents, murder, right? The murder of George mm-hmm. Floyd and then Christian Cooper, the uh, lady calling the cops on him because he was trying to get her to leash her dog in Central Park. Yep. And that made me realize that people were going to be aggressive towards my kids for no other reason than their males and their darker skinned, right? And they happen to be big boys too. Yeah, I about to say, yours are like mine. They're tall, man. Yeah. Big boys. They are. And that allowed me to understand that I was worried in their younger years that they were going to lose their innocence before I did, that mm. somebody was going to take their innocence um, through just being, um, you know, a bigot and being racist. And after that, I realized they're going to lose their innocence early and I'm going to have to be the one to take it wow. in order to keep them safe. Wow. And that was a heavy realization. And after that point, I've really been understanding that I have to explain to them why, let's say, you know, in our household, we don't have toy guns. And we, you know, if we, if they are playing with guns, they're not going to point them at people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can have water squirters. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to look like guns. Right. And, uh, you know, we can squirt those at people, things like that. But I, we found a, a water pistol at a park, and uh, my oldest wanted to play with it, and I had to tell him, no, we're not playing with that. We need to put it down. And he said, why? And I'm like, well, you know, your friend can play with it. And he's like, but why can't I play with it? Mm. And I told him, I straight up told him, well, there's some people that if they see you playing with that, they might hurt you, and I don't want that to happen. And so it's daddy's be- daddy being scared why we're not going to play with that at this park. Mm. When we get If we get home, we can do something like this, but not at a park. And so me understanding that I don't have the context to or even the understanding of what they're going to face it's made me go out to learn from other people and get words and a vocabulary mm-hmm. and try to get as much of an understanding to the extent that I can to be able to provide them um, as many tools as I can to go through life. Because the reality of the situation is I can teach them as much as possible to be able to navigate situations and they can act perfectly and make no mistakes and yeah. somebody could still take their life even if they do everything they're supposed to do and are perfect in the situation people are going to overreact for no other reason than they're black males and like i said they're big right now they're probably going to be big as they get older and with that comes um just a an understanding of our environment and our culture. And I want to do my part in trying to change that. And so I expose them to cultures that mm-hmm. are different, right? Yes. We've gone to a mosque for an Islamic um, brunch and learn. So we got food, they got to color and That's listen awesome. and be around other people. Yeah. And 
I got to learn about the religion and where a lot of their philosophies come from. And that's big for me because mm-hmm. I also want to be able to experience different cultures coming from a small town in Wisconsin. Absolutely. You know, we're not really exposed to much culture there other than uh, beer and alcohol and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and cheese. And cheese, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. So having this understanding that I don't have the context and learning, um, you know, one thing that I don't do is I don't call them boy because I don't want to normalize mm-hmm. a white man calling them boy. So I'll say kids, children. Um, I don't even say son because I don't want them to have that them be called that and they just don't realize that that is they're being demeaned by yeah. somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And having these conversations when they're young and not allowing them to um, to do some of the things that I did because I had I was given greater latitude to make mistakes than they might be given. And yeah. so um just it's increased my willingness to not just explain things to mm-hmm. them, but to take a more active approach into how uh how I'm raising them and why yeah. and explaining why they people might be kind of mean towards not just them but towards us yeah just the way they would even yeah just towards you guys period like just being together and it's so hard and it's almost sickening to know that we even have to put our babies in a position to have to take away their innocence and teach them these things early you know i mentioned something yeah Yeah. but it's necessary i think this is my biggest fear and i'm actually trying not to cry right now also, not only that them um, experience interracial, but one of my biggest fears is that one day my wife has to explain to my kids like daddy's gone because some because somebody decided to take my life due to the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Let's go back a week ago. Um, I was doing an event um, in Northern Virginia. Um, videography, photography, drone stuff, because um, I had the drone out. And mind you, everything I do, I do with a precaution. My outfit, I have my logo on my shirt, shirt tucked in, mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? Cops decided to come up to me and like, hey, you're doing something illegal. What are you looking at? Clearly see cameras on me, all yeah, that. strapped up right. with the, all the right. photography stuff, everything. And my, this is at a community event, and I'm the person capturing the content. The first thing that comes to my mind is I, I need to just conform to whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Right? Knowing I have a license for this, all that stuff. But in my head, I'm like, I'm not even going to bother to defend myself because that could leave me in a body yeah. bag. You don't want to, you don't want to escalate it to a point Correct. where, like, now the kids are all there seeing this. Is wow. and I hate the fact that that's how I have to process. But at the end of the day, I feel like 
the way I want to fight, I can't fight like that no more. Because mm. I can't let the possibility that this non-existing situation can cause my daughter, my kids, uh, my son, whatever, my mom, my wife, no longer have me in their life. Yeah. And this is not even a question, but it's just the fact that I know there's so many people out there that has that encounterment where like, dang, I can't even rightfully defend myself because it could it could lead into the worst situation possible. And and the hard part too is like as we want to teach our kids this, we realize that a context is everything. But there's also a timing to it that we're trying to meet. We don't want to wait too late and we don't want to start too early to give them these things. And that becomes a great challenge because you're you're telling them these things and they're trying to like process how could anybody be that mean? Like how, like daddy, you taught me to do like love first. Like you taught me to, to do all these things right. How is it possible that after I do all of these things that someone can still see me that way? Someone could still treat me that way. Like somebody could see me with my dad, right? And treat us just for you loving me, just for you being with, for you having me. Like how is that? even possible but I, I love the way that you put it because when you're in that situation or in or out of the situation um, where you're in like a interracial marriage or multiracial biracial kids any of that like going to seek for the answers and wanting to study and wanting to understand what the context is and understanding from somebody else's perspective is all that we really need and you exposing your kids early to different cultures different people while also teaching them how you treat people and then giving them backside to it. Like, even when you do everything right, there's some people who didn't get the training that I'm giving you right now. And you have to know what it looks like. And you have to know that it's not you that they hate. It's something either in them or something that they haven't learned yet. And you, it's not that you got to be okay with it. It's just that you have to understand that it's a thing. Yeah. And man, that's explosive. And it's, I think we could talk probably a full hour probably on just that. And maybe sometime we will. Maybe we will have a more of a conversation that. Maybe yeah. we will go back and forth on, and dig into it and like really research like what can we do to work together as a community to make sure that our kids are safe and protected and that they are basically making the next step to making the community greater, like in their whole generation. Right. I can't say social media. I think is there's some harm in it, but I think there's also some good in it too. Absolutely. Like I've seen, you think about during, I guess like it was kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement or whatever, and a lot of um, the the older generation was being outed. It was like different people in different leadership positions. Their kids were recording some of them saying like the N-word or like doing all these different things, and it was because they are now being exposed um, to these different cultures and different beliefs and people of different skin tones everywhere around the world. So when you say, oh, don't, don't uh, hang out with these people because they're from this side of the world and all they care about is this. And then you see like another child your same age talking like you, sounding like you, not talking or doing the things that they say. You're like, it makes you question it a little bit. It's like, no, mom, maybe you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that's some good in that. I'll, I'll, I'll add that to it. And one thing that I've come to learn, I used to want to make that change at a big level, right? I, I want to make the change that's sweeping. Mm. But what I have 
come to understand and really learn is that the best way for me to make lasting change and honestly quicker change is make my community better, Mm -hmm. make what's around me better because then that'll ripple out. And so, you know, what can I do to make my community be more accepting and understanding of people and bring that in to create a better community around. And sure, it's a bubble Mm -hmm. because it's the community that we're in, but at least inside that bubble, which is going to be for quite a while, inside that bubble, at least we can just be, we can live and we don't have to have the, um, operating to perfection and understanding that that may not be enough as well. So that, that is how I can make a change to, um, really impact their life. And then that's why I'm, you know, talking and I, in the spaces that I was in, you know, when I lived in Wisconsin, I stood up for people that I saw, um, being put to the side, being, Mm -hmm. um, treated unfairly for no other reason than who they were and not not even who they were but what they look like right Mm. and so putting myself and living in integrity and living my values in that way it has helped me to see just how i can impact my community and that's going to allow that ripple to extend faster than it would if I was just working to completely change a system that honestly is, you know, kicking and screaming and yeah. being dragged to be changed, but it's gotta, it's, yeah, it, has it, to. it has to. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I'll say on that before we move on to like the, the, the Q and a that we have is you're doing a great job by leading by example. Like, like you said, they've, they've now become a mirror to you where you see, the positive and what you're doing and actually caring for people and moving that needle. I think I, I, I would like to say and think that I do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it freaks my wife out the way I speak to strangers or I give them compliments. And one thing I always do, because I teach myself, like you always love first, like you lead with love in everything you do. And now I naturally would just tell somebody I love them. Like we were in the parking lot at Costco and a guy was next door to us and he was, we got to talking about his uh, Escalade and like all the other stuff. And right before he like closed the trunk, he was like, "All right, man, thank you, man, thanks for talking." I was like, "Man, cool, man, love you, man. Have a, have a good day." And my son is now used to hearing that. My mm-hmm. wife is just not like she's somewhat used to it, but it makes her cringe every time because it's just not something she was used to hearing yeah. or seeing. And she's like, "You could just tell anybody you love them." I was like, "Because I do." Like, yeah. and even if I don't know them that way, it's a conscious reminder that I have to lead with love first yep. and I want the kids to see that. But we got a Q and A man. Like the Here for the Dads podcast community has been growing and I've constantly been getting questions and quite honestly some of them that I'm not really qualified to answer and I want to put them in positions to either hear from other people and hear their perspective. And at some point we're gonna have some community meetings where we'll have some older veteran dads or people in different areas who have experienced things that could possibly help and become mentors because I think we all really need it. And it's something we don't talk about as much. That's where the fear and the unknown comes from is like, I am a super afraid to do this because I don't think it's possible because I have this wrong with me or this is wrong in my situation. And then they hear guys like us say, Oh yeah, we didn't have the tools either. Like we didn't, 
do that. He was like, oh, you guys look like you got a super together. I was like, we look like that, but we're still figuring it out. You can figure it out, too. Yeah. So in that, uh, Sony has all the questions in a notepad. I think there's five or six questions. I'll have him start it off, and you'll start off the first one, and then we'll kind of work together. We'll just we'll just get it going before we get out of here. All Sound right. good? Sounds good to me. What you got? So I'm going to start with this one. Um, it's kind of deep, but I feel like we're in a deep segment, so this is going to keep things rolling. This is from Popstar. Okay, keep your mic right here. I'll make sure I can hear you. This is from Popstar. I am probably a stepfather. My wife had two kids from a previous relationship. One of the kids who is four has his father still in his life, but quite honestly gives us hell from time to time. One of the hardest things we face is his father telling him he's not allowed to call me dad. I've never asked him to call me dad, but he does. Because he seems... Okay, I'm about to edit. This is probably how you type. Because he sees me as a father figure and we spend the most amount of time together, at times I've asked him not to to honor his father's wishes since he's still in his life, but I feel wrong. Should I say something to his dad about it? Because I feel like that's a touchy subject, but also I feel like telling a four-year-old not to call somebody dad if they see them in that way is... See them that way. Is that wrong AF? Help. That's a hard one. Well, it's hard and not hard. I, I think I, I think I know. Yeah, what I and about. I would say, yes, at four year, years old, telling a child not to do something and then explaining, not explaining why, like a lot of times we're just like, do as, do as you're told, mm. do it this way. Mm-hmm. So I think just being honest with a four-year-old, like, hey, you can you can call me dad, and I'm not going to stop you from calling me dad. Um, but here is X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. And then having a talk with the dad. Um, hey, I didn't ask him to call me dad. He calls me dad. That doesn't mean that you're also not dad. Right. <laughs> you Both things can be true, and the more you provide a space for them to come to you and be honest and know that they're safe no matter what. Yeah. It's not about reacting to things like it's about responding and not knowing and asking questions is a great place to start Absolutely. and continue to do that. But I really think, yes, have the conversation with the dad, understand that it, it's going to come from a place of defensiveness. It's yeah. going to come from a place of, of of fear and a little bit of pride yeah not Mm -hmm. feeling worthy i mean that's really what pride is right you don't feel worthy so you double down on this to try and make it um about something that it's not Mm. and just explaining like hey i don't want to replace you because you are the father Mm -hmm. and you are dad but I'm also in his life, and I want what's best for him as well. And so can we work together yeah. to make that happen? Because it's not about us. It's about this child. And we want them to be the best that they can be. So in order for that to happen, we have to be at least on the same page. You don't have to be doing the go. same things every single time, but at least on the same page. 
and work from there. Yeah, and I, like you said, being on the same page. And then we had a conversation on your podcast about respecting a child's intelligence. Yes. Like sometimes you don't even want to explain it to them, but this will be a great time for the child to see those two working together Yep. to figure it out. Even if it comes out where um, one of them gets a nickname, right? Like let's say like stepfather now gets a nickname and you explain to him like, hey, I just don't want, we don't want you to forget about, I don't know, your dad or we're not trying to replace him. He really likes that name for himself. I think it'd be cool if you gave me a nickname and then you get a nickname and you just kind of work it out. But as the child is getting older, he'll start to see this is the way that they handled that situation. I love and respect them for doing that because no matter if they do it or they don't do it, when the child gets older, they're still going to look back and say, now I don't like the way they did that. This I don't respect that they did this. So it made me feel, you know, this type of way or defensive or I reacted this certain way. And you don't want to put that on your kids. Not that type of pressure. I don't think it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that young. You're right. really you're setting them up to be worried about your emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's not their job. Their job is to understand their emotions and problem solve, work their way through that. And so this is a part of it. And, you know, I'm in a position where there could be another person in my kid's life. And if they call him dad and I'm still dad, no matter what, and all I can do is make the environment that my kids are in safe and understanding so that they can come and be themselves there. I can't control what goes on at other places. Right. And so just understanding that and you never know, I'm not going to judge because I don't know how I'm going to react right. if I'm put in that situation. Having that understanding that you don't, you can go through the scripts and say, I'm going to act this uh, way right, exactly. until you're put in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then you learn, oh, actually, I didn't. And instead of guilting yourself, just give yourself the understanding that you didn't do that. And maybe next time you want to change that. But give yourself the understanding that you don't know how you're going to act unless you're in this situation. Yeah, and you've got to give yourself some space. you got to give them some space yeah. to, to do both of those things. And also realize that, like, let me slow it down a little bit. Like, realize that you have to check yourself. And that it has to be about, it has to be about them. How do you get your kids to eat real food and veggies? Um, and let's see what they're trying, what they really meant to say here. Okay, let me start this over. I know what they're trying to say. So how do you get kids to eat real food and veggies? And even if you try to do this often, I feel like all they ever want is snacks. Which one of y'all want to take this? One? I'll start off with that because I think I'm I'm definitely having this battle right now, and you're probably having the same thing. Yeah. Because the honest thing is, we're like that too. Like I think sometimes all we want is snacks. Like yeah, we get like the I want to have a hearty meal here or there or whatever. But if I could just have straight up pizza, if I could just sit down and just have a whole bag of chips or my favorite like type of honey buns or whatever, I'll do it. But I know being adult and like having, you know, the courses of nutrition, that is not the best for me. Like it's probably not best for my body, all the sugars and everything. the kids don't know that yet. They don't understand it. And even if you were to teach it to them, 
it still wouldn't amount to the same thing. They didn't. It doesn't. They don't really have the same consequences with the beer belly or anything like that that we might have. Um, so it really comes with being consistent for one. And there's plenty of resources and YouTube videos out there to try different meals and figure out what it is that they like without forcing them to eat all their food on their plate, without forcing them to try every single thing. Well, actually, I really like them to try stuff, but you yeah. don't want to force them because you don't want them to be either afraid or upset when it comes to eating food. Um, you can always have your desserts. You could always have your snacks here or there. But the real food stuff start with small portions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Figure out what it is that they like and try different renditions of that. Make it fun. Uh, what ways are you or have you used? I think definitely giving them the reward, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's dessert or they get to play a level of a video game yeah, we or go. like tablet time mm -hmm. or something like that. And I start with, I need you to try two bites and they need go. to be big bites. If they're not big bites, they don't count as bites. We got to start over again. Oftentimes when they try it, they're like, actually, this tastes kind of good. And then they'll eat it. Um, another thing is, if you want to get big and strong, you have to eat your, you know, fruits and vegetables. Mm. So now that they're five and four, I have an understanding of which ones they like. Yeah. So I give them an option of two that they like, and they have to pick something with every meal. Good. And if they don't eat that, then they get the consequence of, well, you didn't eat your fruits or veggies. We can't have dessert. And telling them that that is a consequence of not eating their fruits and veggies, not necessarily a punishment, mm -hmm. um, that that gets them to at least try to eat both and yeah. ketchup. There like, we go. Cover it with ketchup. Cover it. It, ketchup. it works. Ketchup um, and ranch is in our house for sure. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed with my oldest, he's a texture eater. So mm. eggs, he likes the flavor of eggs. He doesn't like the texture of eggs. Mm. So trying to figure out how to change textures and then trying to understand different foods where the texture might be um, what he's really averse to and yeah. not liking. Because I can make something as flavorful as I want. But if it's a texture thing, I can't really change that once it's cooked. That's so good. trying to change textures up, that's also something... For us, something that I've learned, especially for my two-year-old, is timing. Like, mm. timing has become everything for him. Because as soon as he wakes up, and he normally wakes up before everybody else, he is hungry. Like, he wants something. So we had to make sure that there was something that was accessible to him. He will go all the way downstairs, by himself, open up the fridge, and we want it to be, instead of crackers, chips, and all the snacky-type fast food, whatever it is, right, is now sliced apples, there's grapes there, there's cherries, strawberries. Those are the things that are in his drawer. So now we have made them accessible and we understand the timing. And another thing is for lunch, as I will always eat a big lunch before he goes rest or go to sleep, we were having the hardest time with Avery trying to get him to eat, like eat a chicken nugget, eat fries, whatever it was. And we realized before his nap time, he just wasn't hungry. Like he'll eat something small or whatever it is. So we'll get something that he likes, a fruit, a vegetable, a carrot stick or something like that. And he'll eat it. When he wakes up, he goes straight to the table and now he'll eat his lunch. So I think those different things that, um, what, what was the name? Who was the username? The username for that one was Godfather123. So yeah, Godfather123. Talk about timing. Think about textures, find out the things they like, use treats, um, and use the word consequence, not punishment. Okay. And I think you can That's probably good. figure some stuff out. Yeah. 
So the next one is from Luke's father. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I have a school age... I have school-age kids, and sports is becoming a thing for them. I never played in high school or college, but I did a few things recreationally as a child. How do I lead them to what sport to play? Do I just let them do what they want? And should I make them try everything while they are still young? RJ, take it away. Yes, and yes. You should let them do what they want, and you should expose them to everything while they're young. There's this uh, sense of if a kid is good at something or they they show that they like it, Mm -hmm. to just push them. That's it. Just push them straight to that. And that's fine to a point. But if that's all you give them, then they don't know if there's something better out there for them, something they'll enjoy more. So get them exposed to it. Let them have fun, and you can do the if you join it, you can't quit kind of a thing, but don't don't make them have to go out for certain sports. And right. um, with that, if you enjoy, I've noticed this with my five- and four-year-old, if you enjoy playing a sport, let them watch you enjoy playing that sport because yeah. then they will want to play that sport. That is so good. They will want to be there with you. So, like, them coming to softball, baseball games, playing catch with me. After games, we run the bases. And then I had the, you know, I get the the red bat that everybody's had with the wolf. Oh, yeah, well, I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, they're five and four, and they hit my pitching already. Like, oh, smooth. I mean, they, they love it, but they don't like to put the glove on their hand and go field, so I didn't put them in t-ball yet. Got you. We've done soccer, swim, um, kung fu, a lot Ooh. of different things. But it hasn't gotten to the point, the sports that I've really enjoyed yet. And that's because I don't want to push them into something before they're ready. Yeah. And I want them to tell me what they're enjoying. So my oldest likes to play catch with me. He likes that. He wants to learn how to catch and throw. And so I'm teaching him, but I'm not forcing him to, hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, let's go do that. Okay, sounds good. Hey, do you want to do this? No, I don't want to do it right now. All right, that's fine. Yeah. Just kind of like keep it going that way. That's good that you say that that part too because I think me as a football player like that's they see me watching it all the time and like I feel the urge like I want them to dive into it or whatever but I have to hold that back a little bit just so I can be able to see if they like what they're doing or not. Yeah. Like they're gonna start flag football for the first time here in like another week or two but I am just gonna be exposing them to everything like. Mm-hmm. Bluey, the other day they had an episode <laughs> yes. and he was like, oh, Daddy, Daddy, I got to show you. They're, they're playing football. They're playing football. And I like watched it. I was like, oh, baby, that's not football. That's rugby. And he was like, <laughs> rugby? So now my, the coolest thing that I do is now exposing him in different ways. So either we buy a video game that has the sport in it or like one thing we're going to do for rugby, I have a good friend who's in Georgia. He's played for Nigeria, like all professional team and everything. He's amazing. Play with him in high school and for football, we're going to call him. And I'm going to have him actually see him like talk about rugby and show him his jersey and the ball and all that good stuff. So I'm just enjoying exposing him in different ways. Two, de- two days ago, we watched my brother run track on the big, like on YouTube. We watched that. And for the next two hours, that's all we did in the house. We ran around the kitchen like we were doing four by ones. I put the nugget out and I used the broom. We did the high jump. We did the long <laughs> jump, all type of stuff. So it's cool to like expose the kids to a bunch of different things yeah. and actually pay attention to what they like. Absolutely. What else you got, bro? 
Okay, so this next one is from Papa Doc. Ooh. Um, I've seen multiple different ways to discipline our children online. I don't know if I have a name for my parenting style, but I know I want to do things different than my parents did to me. What are some effective ways to discipline? I usually put my kids in the corner for timeout or practice repetition to help them remember things that I've asked them to do. I just know if what I am I just want to know if what I'm doing is effective. <sighs> I can take this one. Please, that, so, yeah, that's a hard one. My disciplining has really changed, uh, especially over the past couple of years as I've become more in touch with my emotions and teaching them to be in touch with their emotions. I really let them lead. And so like timeouts, I sit them down and I let them know there's a consequence for their action. Mm. It's not a punishment, right? Or I'll take like, sometimes we'll be playing on the switch and I'll take, I'll be like, no, we're turning it off because if you two can't play together, mm -hmm. then we're not playing this and we're turning it off. And that's the consequence. I have found that I have not had to actually give them timeouts maybe once a month. Yeah. And the biggest reason for that is because at the end of timeouts or during timeouts, I will go over and I will make sure they know that they are not bad, that um, they are not wrong, mm -hmm. that what they did was not the best action. Mm. And that's part of learning, right? Yeah. And you will always be loved by dad. And so they always get a hug. Even if they're in the middle of timeout, they will always get a hug and know that I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. And this is a part of learning is we get consequences, yeah. right? So after the timeout is over and the timer goes off, I will talk to them and I'll say, okay, why did we get timeout? And they will tell me why they got timeout. And sometimes the reason they think they got timeout was not actually the reason. Wow, so cool. I have to explain to them, no, that's not it. But I don't want them to internalize things as themselves. Yeah. I want them to understand that it was the actions and keep that separate so that that goes back to the worth thing. And I've found that if they make a mess, I'll, hey, why are we making a mess? And have them clean it up, yeah, right? Absolutely. That's the consequence. They get to clean it up. They like helping me get things done, and it teaches them how to clean up yes. in a way that is more effective. And then as far as, like, the repetition and getting people to um, – or getting the kids to do things that you've already taught them, I learned with my 4-year-old, sometimes my 5-year-old, I give them too many tasks at one time. Yeah, and so when that. I do that, yeah. that makes them forget one of the tasks mm -hmm. or not do it completely, and it's – not their fault that they couldn't remember all the tasks that I gave them. Yeah. So I have to walk them through. And eventually they'll start to do it on their own, but I have to let them show me mm -hmm. when they're ready to do it on their own. And then you'll see it start to go faster and smoother. And they'll realize that they don't have to be like just like ready to go and yeah. try to be perfect. They can make mistakes and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And they have room to try to figure it out their own way. Yeah. 
just because I try to tell them to do it one way doesn't mean that I know the the best way. That's right. And so let them figure it out themselves. That'll teach them some problem solving too. So, yeah, those those ways really, I don't try to give consequences that come with disconnection. I want them to know that I'm there for them and mm-hmm. like that connection is still there and that makes the lessons that are learned seem to last a little bit longer. Yeah. And the two things I guess I, I'd like to add to that is one of them, like you got to know your kids. Like yes. you, you want to be effective, of course, but every child is going to be different. Yep. So like them hearing you say certain things, they may react different than maybe your other child would. Yes. So you have to learn and you have to know what that looks like, what it sounds like. Maybe a child needs to be affirmed a little bit more. Maybe a child needs to be uh, uh Maybe they do need the repetition. Maybe they need, when you're given the task, they're remembering some of them, but they don't understand why they're doing them. So giving them a task and then <clears throat> and then connecting it to something. So for Azai, he'll always forget to turn the light off and close the door in the bathroom downstairs. So I was like, man, I keep telling you to do this. Like, why isn't he for remembering to do that? And then I'm like, okay, I have a reason why I want him to do that. Maybe I need to let him know. Hey, baby, the reason why we turn the light off and close the door when we leave the bathroom is so uh, Noel doesn't go in there and pull all the tissue off the floor, I mean off the roll, and puts it all on the floor and he doesn't eat it and all the other stuff. Now he's like, ding. As soon as he comes out, you'll see him remember it. He's like, oh, oh I see the baby. Let me go back in, turn the light off, close the door. So connect those That's tasks. Good. We'll do one more question before we, uh, before we get up out of here. I know we're kind of running long on time. I'm enjoying this though. Like yeah, this, me too. <laughs> this is. I'm gonna have to make this part one because this is good. This is gonna help somebody. So please talk about grocery store tips um, and tricks again. So I guess we talked about it. Yeah, I did a little solo on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hell every time I go along with with my toddler. Hmm. So I can start off on that one because I remember talking about it. I I did like a little solo video at the house. I was talking with my wife, and it gets crazy in the grocery store with like all my kids. Mostly, it was really with my two-year-old because we don't say terrible twos. We say like terrific twos or whatever, but a lot of times there's a lot of things that they want. They just can't verbalize to you, and it gets a little bit hard. Um, But him is like he loves apples. He is like a fruit monster, fruit ninja. He's a horse, whatever you want to call him, like. So when we go into Harris Teeter, that's the first thing he sees. And I had a good friend of mine who actually called me the other day and was having the same conversation about his child just seeing something that they wanted in a store, and it becomes this, like, I don't know, explosion where they're screaming like they want it. Apple, 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 no, apple. Ah! So now they're screaming. You're walking around with two, three other kids in the cart. This one's screaming right here. These people are trying to talk to you so you can get the meat that you want out the butcher shop. Everybody's looking at you. and It just becomes like this horrible like moment. You're just like, I, I got to get out of here. But you got to get food for the house, right? So a couple tips that I use for me when you get that is, it depends on the child and, like, how they're doing. Sometimes they just want to be a part of the experience. Yes. So, like, you just got to maybe get something off the shelf and you just hand it to them for them to touch. Maybe something that they can't open, right? So that's one thing I do. Um, or if I'm going through, like, the fruit aisle and stuff, instead of buying, like, the one or the two apples, which I used to do, I will grab the whole bag of apples and then I can take one out and it takes him longer to eat the apple. So mm. I, instead of giving him, like, something small that he can eat and he's trying to get another one, like another piece of bread... I'll just let him have the apple and it'll take him the entire time to get around. And I don't have to worry about 
if I'm going to pay for it or not because it's the bag and that's what I'm getting priced for. Mm. If they're just eating the apple and I have to go weigh it, now I feel like I'm I'm stealing a little bit, right? Yeah. So that's that's one. I guess that's two different ways. And then the third one is just like asking, like, hey, you hold the list. We're going to be in charge of this, and I'll put little pictures on it. Hey, do you see the apple? Do you see the bananas? Do you see the potato? What color is the potato? And you kind of take them around, and they start getting into it, and they get a little bit more excited about it. And it's a whole lot less screaming because now they're distracted about the things that they really want because there's some stuff in there that i really want i'm just not screaming about it yeah what about you i mean i do this a lot of similar things where i get them involved right Mm -hmm. because they want to help same thing and so i also pick and choose okay you want this are we actually going to get it i guess we can look at it and see and that um they might get to pick one thing out at the store and I'll let them know before what it is or mm-hmm. what it might not be. Um, at Lytle, Little, yeah, whatever you. Little, lot of little, right? little, yeah, all of them. <laughs> they, any place that has little carts, mm-hmm. I let them bring their oh, cart. Oh, that's so and cool. And then they get to take something that we need and put it in, their, in the cart. That's cool. And I teach them, uh, don't put the bread on the bottom, right, because that'll get mm. squished. So then they start to know what where things go and not to squish things. Um, but I really like when it comes to tantrums and them screaming and crying, I've taken a step back and looked around and have been like, okay, if people are people looking at me because I don't know how to parent or like I'm hurting my, no, like if you look at people's faces, it's compassion and empathy on their face because they have been there too, too, probably, or they've been involved in situations where it's like that. So when I realize that people aren't looking at me because I don't know what I'm doing or because um, they're annoyed about a screaming, crying kid, it's like I'll just let him scream and cry for the five minutes mm-hmm. and then walk around doing what I'm doing. And sometimes I'll bring headphones and I'll put my headphones there in <laughs> so that I don't have to listen to it yeah. if it really gets that bad. Yeah. Um, but generally, they get over it because they see something else. Yeah. And that's really... I think uh, a way to look at it too. That doesn't make it always easier, especially when they're reaching out and grabbing stuff. And it's just like, you know, you've yeah. had a long day. Mm-hmm. Your patience. I'm not a saint. I, you know, I talk about this stuff. I'm human. <laughs> I have limits for my patience. I do lose it sometimes, but I try to do my best to, if I do lose it, apologize to my kids, and um, I really try to give them space to be kids. Yeah, because. They don't know exactly how I want them to act. And the only reason I want them to act like that is because that's what I was taught how I was supposed to act. Exactly. So if I want them to be different, that means that I have to teach them different than how I was taught. Mm. And sometimes that gets me to a place where like I'm stressed out because I'm like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't do this as a kid. Like there was no way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but that's that's a me thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I have to put that onto them. So just giving them leeway to be a kid, that helps too. So good. I have a completely different method. Ooh, talk to me. Okay. You bring the grocery experience home. Hmm, talk to me. Oh, okay. I like that. You know where he's going with that? I'm, I'm lost. So me and my wife, we're big advocates of Instacart walmart delivery mm, okay i got you now i'm here i'm here so pretty much everything gets done 
threw into the cart, gets delivered to the house on the on on the front porch. Mm-hmm. The kids help us put it away. Yeah, that's good, right? Um, couple reasons. One, um, it makes budgeting more effective. Uh, two, it saves time. Yeah, right. Um, and then three, call it what it is. We have four kids now. Yeah. Right. It's not that we don't want them to experience anything or whatever it may be, but at the end of the day, call it what it is. It can be a headache. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. When like got this one screaming, that one doing this. And all this other stuff, and you just trying to make this the most quickest experience yeah. ever, right? Now, if it's like, hey, I just got to grab one, two things, mm-hmm. then my, me and my wife would be like, hey, you're going to get X, Y, and Z if you listen while we're in the store. Yeah, there we go. Done. Yeah. Right? But, boy, that Instacart and that Walmart delivery. They be changing the game, don't it? Change the game completely. Yeah, I, I like when my wife opts for that one. I enjoy. Yeah. And sometimes they don't have, like, what you're used to, so you get a chance to try something different. That is true, I like yeah. them. I'm like, ooh, this cheese is good, baby. We're going to have to switch <laughs> up for this cheese. But, man, this has been amazing. I enjoy this. I enjoy this entire thing. Like, we got on some really good deep topics. I think this episode is really going to help a lot of people. And for those of you all watching out there, please continue to send us these questions. Hit me up in the Instagram and send it over to me. Or you can literally, if you got my number, text me, Facebook, whatever, just shoot me questions, shoot me topics that you want us to talk about, and I promise we're going to get a chance to talk, to tackle it. Can't say we're always going to have the answer, but we will talk about it. RJ, what are some ways that they can find you, man? Yeah, if you go on social media and look up Untapped Keg, that's Untapped and Keg, but make it one word. Uh, you'll find me, you'll find on all the platforms I'm on. Uh, look up the podcast, Untapped Keg. It's on all listening platforms and on YouTube. And um, I'm a self-discovery after alcohol coach. So if you would like, you know, just talking about alcohol or looking into self-discovery, go to untappedkeg.com and you can find some more information about that too. And um, before we sign off here real quick, I want to let people know I'm not perfect. I'm a human. Allow yourself to be a human too. Don't judge everything as negative. And I think that leads to you being a better parent and giving yourself some patience that you wish you would give your kids and that allows you to give that your kids some patience too. So be human. Amen. I love that. Love you, bro. Thank you, Me man. Too. I appreciate this. We out.